Okay, welcome to the Most Talk podcast. This is your host Connor O'Boyle, and I am speaking with my first guest, Grant Booth. Welcome, Grant. How are you doing? Doing good, Connor. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a it's a lovely lovely day in Dublin. Cold, wet, and rainy, <laughs> uh, but it's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's great to have you. So, Grant, I just want you to talk uh, a little bit about where you're from and what you do. Okay, cool. Well, uh, my name is Grant Booth. I'm from South Africa. I was born in Cape Town, um, and I'm a music composer for film, television, video games, uh, basically any media. Um, I've done a BA in music, uh, in a music course, and sound design, and film, and all that sort of thing. Um, oh, let's see what else. I've done quite a few projects. I've scored my own feature film i've done additional music for some feature films i've done commercials promotional videos geez you name it i've i've tried my hand at it um i've also worked for a los angeles based music library um and yeah now i am trying to further myself and i'm studying my masters in dublin that's what brought that's what's brought me here uh loving it so far i love the vibe here um, enjoying the music scene, enjoying the student scene again. Uh, it's been about three, four years since I was a student, so <laughs> so it's great to be back. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I guess that's me. Okay, great. So, uh, for the people listening, can and I imagine not a lot of the listeners would be familiar with the um, South African music scene. So, can you describe a little bit uh, your experience of the the sense of music in south africa in relation to the sense of music in the uk or in dublin well i'd say um i'd say music in in south africa is quite a quite a not a divided but like a very very varied um market there uh, there are certain clicks so um in terms of commercial music we've got uh a, a, a style called Kwaito music, which um, a lot of our demographic listen to a, a huge amount, and it's it kind of started in South Africa and moved up uh, towards the uh, north of Africa, boom, 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 that sort of thing. Obviously, a lot of people know us for our South African jazz, Huma Sekela, that sort of thing, um, and obviously, you know, that's traveled around the world and it's very well known and it constantly. It's still going. It's a massive thing. Um, we've got lots of jazz bars in South Africa where, where you can go listen to lovely South African jazz and uh, new masters are coming out every single day, um, which are great to listen to. On the other hand, we have a, a thriving sort of rock market, I would say. Um, a couple of years ago, there was there were a lot of metal bands and stuff. Now it seems the more rock sensibility, um, more hip-hop you know zaranas are starting to cross over these days which i think is cool and in terms of the full music industry i would say that it's been growing year on year you know we are a developing country um and i would say you know if i think back maybe about like eight years or so um you know we we had maybe like 10 feature films come out you know maybe even less than that and not doing very well on the on the international market but the the sort of emphasis was there to you know improve what we were doing and to write more stories because South Africa is lush with um 
you know, so many narratives and things that we could pick up on. You know, the world obviously thinks back to apartheid and Nelson Mandela, and we've had those forms come out and be, you know, put to the big screen in Hollywood and all that sort of thing. Um, but you know, we're a thriving nation of stories from from all from all backgrounds. I mean, we're we're such a melting pot. If you think about, there's a large Indian community, there's a large Black community, and in the Black community, there are um, Geez, I, I couldn't name them all, all of the all the different um, sort of uh, languages and all that sort of thing, you know. Then there's the white community, obviously, Chinese. I mean, geez, you know, everyone's there, <laughs> if you think about it that sort of way. Um, and what that leads to is a really thriving sort of market. You know, we've, we've got... Um, I would say the the biggest sort of full market in South Africa is definitely the Afrikaans market. Um, you know, I just think they've been they've been doing it for a lot longer. We've got a an, a, a guy called Leon Schuster in South Africa who made uh, great uh, comedy movies um, that did really well in our box office and actually overseas as well. Um, and that kind of paves the way forward for Afrikaans sort of media to go out. And those are all of the films that I worked on. And what we're seeing now, due to I mean, geez, we only achieved our independence what. Uh, 20 years ago something like that um we're only starting to kind of see it now that this you know um the black perspective is is coming to the fore and we're seeing more more films made by them from their backgrounds and their experiences which is great um i just finished working on a film called the hangman which is set in apartheid but doesn't focus on it which i think is great it focuses on a, a young black family um, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, it takes it from a different perspective and it is directed by Zueletu Radebe um, and he's got such a fresh sort of look at the world growing up in the new South Africa, uh, a born free as, as we like, as, we, you know, some people like to call us. Um, and yeah, I guess at the crux of it, we are just growing year on year, you know, and... I'm excited to be a part of that. As much as I'm moving to Dublin to further my craft and stuff, you know, uh, South Africa is never going to leave who I am. And I'm never going to leave the community there because I enjoy the stories and I enjoy working with the people there and their ambition uh, and their drive to overcome adversity. And yeah, I've kind of spoken on this topic <laughs> for quite a while now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's great. Um, so, now that you have moved to Dublin, a lot of the a lot of the things that you were saying there, for example, um, the the narratives of the stories been told and the films been made in South Africa for the past uh, decade or so have been very much um, reactionary to the the events of the the nineties of the Mandela. Uh, period, you know, and uh, I've seen some of those, some of those movies, the Steve Biko stuff, and and and, and um, the Bang Bang Club, and th things like that. You know, I, I I've I've seen those those movies, you know. So it's it's really great to to see that that new stories have been told now, and they're not just recycling uh, the same the same stuff just for different generations with with better better cameras. 
you know, and I think parallels can be drawn between the post-apartheid films made in South Africa and the post-Troubles films been made in Northern Ireland, for example, In the Name of the Father and Bloody Sunday, these type of films, although they represent a, a later part of the chronology as opposed to some of the films made in the Republic of Ireland, do, for example, um, Michael Collins and The One That Shakes the Barley, they represent the early part of the 20th century, whereas uh, the Northern Ireland films depict the latter half of the 20th century. The time frame is very similar to the South African time frame, um, you know, almost spanning the entire 20th century. And it's great that these films now uh, have their place in time retrospectively to to be reflected upon and depict events that otherwise may not have ever been heard about. Um, but it's great also that new films have been made and new ideas have been presented uh, from the youth and uh, cross communities that they're coming together now to, to make great, great art. Uh, for example, Game of Thrones is very popular. It's also made in Northern Ireland, Star Wars. And, you know, some of the stuff that's been made here in Dublin is also fantastic. Uh, Love Hate is a personal favorite. It's absolutely it's a spectacular TV show to watch. And, you know, it gives Dublin it gives Dublin a place on the map, you know, uh, on par with with the Baltimore and the Wire and and all these all these critically acclaimed shows, you know. So uh, it's great that these things have been made. Absolutely fantastic. So, what's your general impression of of Dublin? And and I know you've you've been up to the north as well. So, what's your what's your general opinion on that and and the music that you've that you've experienced so far? Um. I like that you drew parallels between um, Ireland's struggles and South Africa's struggles because um, it's one of the first things that I I happened to kind of notice when I got here is that in South Africa, you know, as much as we went through an incredibly difficult and and horrible event with apartheid, the art that kind of came out of that was very happy and and enlightening and beautiful you know um if you look at you know 20th century music coming out out of world war ii and all that sort of thing of course i mean it's not exactly the same but the music that and art that appeared out of that um you know kind of reflected it in a little bit more of a literal way i'd say in ireland and south africa it kind of took the opposite step all the music i've heard here um so far i mean i could be missing a lot of it but it has this sense of joy and the sense of um freedom and you know there's just that there's just an underlying happiness to all the music i've heard which draws parallels again to south africa's music which i think is amazing um in terms of in terms of the country though i mean i've only i've been here for about three months now three and a half months or whatever and it's it's tough for me to to have a fully formed opinion i mean it's it's one of these countries like any country in the world i guess you really have to spend time in it and really absorb it and you know get into the heart of it and speak to people and visit the lands and as much as i've been around the country now and i've been up north and uh, to the western side i've been to dingle and all that sort of thing you you know you've got to live in it every single day for I don't know, geez, maybe a couple of years before you really get a sense of, of what it's all about. But from what I've experienced so far is Dublin is a lovely city, um, extremely vibrant and, and multicultural. 
and the the music scene here is incredible i think i think the greatest thing is that um you, you hear music on the streets like there's you know there's not a day that you can walk out in dublin anywhere and not hear some music being played that's local that's that's homegrown in a way you know which is which is lovely and you know that's something i hope that south africa can achieve unfortunately um there is a lot of crime in our country um you know we've appeared on on polls for that sort of thing which is unfortunate and it's not as easy to go walk around in the streets and and to hear the musicians and stuff like that you know and that's that's something that we sorely lack you have to kind of go out of your way to find it you know whereas here the beauty is it's everywhere around you and i've heard so much music and uh kind of digested so much of it because it's around you every single day and it's lovely it's 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 such a it's such an incredible experience with northern ireland um obviously there's the there's a bit of a divide i mean there's there's a more um english presence there and that sort of thing but nevertheless there is so much irish music and and heritage and um it's just great it's just great <laughs> i could i could babble about, yeah. about it forever <laughs> uh, you can see how how you know the irish the irish music has influenced um lots of hollywood film scores you know some of the most revered scores have been have been taken from from Irish folk tunes or Irish uh, instrumentation and whatnot, you know. So uh, let's actually get down now and talk about the music that you've written or, or you know, some some artistic practice and how you like to work and aspects of composition that you find is important. You know, uh, your general your general practice or your your routines or you know, how, how is it that you go about composing music? Well, I'd have to say that for any composer it's it's hard to kind of narrow that down because it's always constantly changing the the processes that you go through on one project might not be the same for another depending on what what is called for but there are there are some things that stay constant so i would say um from a more technical aspect um oh sorry before i go there I, you know i come from a background of you know kind of a, a hodgepodge in a way i've i've learned a bit of rock i've learned a bit of jazz a bit of this a bit of that i studied orchestration and composition for a bit um and i'm kind of one of these people that i'll take as you know as much as i need of something and then stop you know doing my sort of yeah. take on it and stuff which i think is cool and and you know in the beginning i was worried about it because i thought oh my gosh i need to like focus on something otherwise i'm never going to make it but um uh, you know at some point a light bulb clicked and i thought no 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 what I, what i'm doing is is fine i've got to stay true to to the way that i'm doing things and uh you know just try and hone that sort of art of being a jack of all trades because yeah. in the film composition world that is kind of what you need to be exactly. it becomes it becomes a bit of a luxury down the line i guess as you either you know get more success and and stuff you know you can maybe specify in in something but i think the difference between a normal music composer and a film composer is our need to kind of want to do everything you know for me the process the process always starts with the story i've always been a an advocate for story above everything else forget plot forget 
all the images and, and all that sort of thing. Just what is the crux of the story? So often I will sit down with the director and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it begins soon before the, you know, a, a long before the form, uh, film actually takes place and the edit is brought to me. And we'll discuss story and, and what that's all about and characters and, you know, what, what's going on there. I'll basically take that away and go right between 10 and 20 minutes of, of music and just go, you know, wherever my mind takes me on that sort of on that sort of journey. Then later I'll take that back to the director and he or she will kind of go, we'll, we'll go through it together and from that decide if there's anything that we like. And even if there's only like five seconds of music out of that 20 minutes that resonates it's still it's still i would consider like a, a a win you know you're coming away with at least some sort of thematic idea or harmony idea or whatever um in terms of the really technical stuff i work on logic pro um 99 of the time and I try to for the listeners can you describe what logic pro is just for those that don't actually know what logic pro might be um from the very basics you get what we call a door a digital audio workstation which is basically on your computer a program that can arrange and record uh, audio whatever audio that may, may be such as guitar or voice like we're recording now um or and on top of that you get uh uh little things we, we we call vsts or sample libraries which are basically little um instruments or virtual instruments if we want to call them that um somebody has gone and sampled a violin for example and you get to use those samples those little audio recordings that are now mapped out onto a keyboard which you would plug into your door and from there you can manipulate a violin or any other instrument that's you know basically all of them have been sampled in some way so basically from that we'll create what we call a mock-up which is basically a demo version of a real piece you know and as as film composers or musicians or whoever is doing it the aim is to try and get it to sound as realistic as possible and a lot of what you would hear nowadays especially with trailers and stuff is all actually digital at the end of the day maybe with some small like recordings done of guitars or voices and uh, the backgrounds but we've gotten to that point where we can almost fool you completely into thinking that it's a live orchestra or it's live instruments or live drums that are going on there and the only reason why we do that and we call them mock-ups and demos is because the aim is to take that um, to a director or to an advertising company or whoever's requesting requesting this track uh, and get funding towards doing it for real and doing it live you know um, yeah so that's that's the very basics of the process i would i would say you know um not many of us get the opportunity to actually go and record these orchestras or live ensembles you know um so you get you get very good at <laughs> at convincing people with your sample libraries um and your audio mockups basically can you can you talk us through your your sample libraries and the things that you you, you use the things that you don't use and what you find is is better uh, than others and you know um, 
what uh, what you would look forward to getting in the future? So I think I think it's a great question, first of all. But I'd like to start. Um, if there's anyone that's wanting to get into this game and stuff, because now that you mentioned that, I, I was literally having a conversation with somebody yesterday about what sample libraries to get and where to start and all that sort of thing. And I I basically started by getting something and I, I suggest to everyone else is that you get something that encompasses synths, orchestral sounds, pianos, you know, something that just does the basics of everything. As much as you as when you buy logic, there are logic sounds and stuff uh, that come with it. There's a need there is a need to obviously go out and get third party applications, you know, because they're just recorded better and they do they do the jobs better. So I would go for something like, you know, like an East-West sample library, um, such as there's like a Platinum bundle out now that gives you access to orchestral stuff, you know, like strings and brass and all that sort of thing. And there's some synths that are available, choirs, and, you know, it's everything you need to kind of get started. And from there, you can start building up. And for me, I use... I would say the th the string library I use most is definitely LA scoring strings. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to spend. Um, but really, you get the bang for your buck, you know? Um, it's got every articulation that you would ever need. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's always more that you could do in terms of extended techniques. But for your bread and butter, I would say, you know, LA scoring strings does that for me. Other than that, uh, the next thing... I use primarily all the time is Omnisphere 2. Um, it's just got it's just got everything, man. Jeez, all the synths you could ever want, psychoacoustic sounds, um, little sound designing effects, pads, um, cheesy stuff if you need that, hip hop stuff, EDM if you want, like you know, jeez, it's 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 got everything from that sort of aspect. And then just to run off a couple of others that I use, I use a lot of the Spitfire stuff. Uh, Albion. I just got um, the Odafa Arnold's Composer Toolkit, which is great. It's fantastic, like felt piano and some synths in there. Um, I use a lot of ADO stuff as well. Um, I just recently got their 1901 piano, which is amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Well-recorded piano. Beautiful sound. And then... Um, yeah, a lot of Spitfire stuff for my percussions as well. Um, I, I get a lot of that from the um, percussion library that they've got. Percussion Redux, I think it's called. And then, um, let's see what else. Jeez, everything and anything I can. Um, I've I've gone through a lot of Sonic Kinetic stuff as well. Sound Iron. Um, you can check out Embertone. They've always got great instruments. Really cheap as well. Jeez, um, for the quality that you get from Embertone, it's it's ridiculous. Like the Shire Whistle and the Freelander Violin. I mean, <laughs> really, for that Freelander Violin, I would happily pay a good 300 euro, you know. And it's a lot, a lot cheaper than that for what you get. And it's a gorgeous sound that anyone can use and anyone can buy. It's, it's really reasonably priced. And... Yeah, like I remember, I remember asking my mentor in in the beginning of this process, like, what sample library should I get? And he said, all of them. <laughs> and I think that's the that's the name of the game because each one has something unique that that can bring life mm -hmm. to your your audio recordings and your mockups and stuff. So yeah. Okay, so uh, 
in in composing for for the hangman the the last project you worked on can you describe some of the um ups and downs of that process you know was there was there any pieces that were like perfect on on the spot and when there were the pieces that were rejected and how did you deal with that you know did you did you take the material and rework it or did you completely start from scratch with a new piece or you know how, how do you how do you deal with those uh temperamental directors um, so I must say that uh, Zueli or Zueletu Radebe, the director of The Hangman, um, is definitely one of the few composers, uh, sorry, sorry, directors out there that uh, truly values every member of his team and takes the time to, you know, go through the process with them and get what he wants and get what they want at the same time. So when it came to music, uh, we've been discussing it for about two years already almost um the the atmosphere the emotion um you know it, it was it was never a question of um you know let's compose in the key of a or anything like that you know nothing musical but just emotion emotive terms um which i think is the best way to kind of get the ball rolling you know um because a composer will take that and interpret it in their own way and i guess the 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 ambition is to surprise your director in a good way you know and to give them something that they weren't expecting which is cool for the hangman i would say that the process the process began with that i did the i think i did about 13 minutes of music um just atmospheres and different sounds and i took i took a lot of audio recordings of birds that you know for me uh, a bird and its sounds represent freedom and all that sort of thing. And I tried to just go completely in the weirdest places I, I the weirdest places I possibly could, um, and just you know, just go to extremes, really, you know. And from that, thirteen minutes of music of <laughs> some of it sounds like complete hogwash, but that's not the point, you know. I sat I sat in front of Zueli and we we listened through to it, and there were like two moments that he enjoyed and for me that was that was a win as i said before and i took those parts and developed them then eventually i got the edit for the for the film and that's kind of when the the ball really gets rolling you know and the work really starts because finally there's something to piece your music together with there's a sense sense of rhythm um a lot of composers um we'll write stuff before and hand that in and say you know that's it but there's something about watching a film for me that tells me so much information you know that gives me so much like in terms of pacing and timing and overall atmosphere like as much as as somebody can explain a scene to you and stuff when you see it fully realized with an edit and scenes that came before and scenes that come after everything suddenly has context you know so I took so I took that and I wrote I wrote all the pieces for the film um, in a kind of in a kind of traditional way I guess you know uh, that's kind of what was coming out of me at that point in time and um, you know it, there were there were violins and there was orchestra and then there were some weird subtle tones underneath that I created using um, the birds thing from before and train sounds and stuff like that but it's kind of a bit of a hodgepodge to be completely honest now looking back at it but what i find is is always great is presenting 
a director with too much rather than too little um, music. And um, we discussed this as well. You know, I gave him, and there was a lot of music and there was a lot of layers going on and, and, and lots of thematic um, material in terms of melodies and all that sort of thing. And he watched it and I got that sort of, hmm, <laughs> you know, okay, grads, it's good. <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, every composer gets freaked out and, and worries so much about that moment. But it's a, it's, it really is a lovely moment because it gives you so much clarity on, on what is actually necessary and what, and what is needed. You know, I think as composers, we tend to get maybe sometimes overly ambitious or overexcited when there's a project and we, you know, and we enjoy, we're enjoying what we're doing and stuff. And the music kind of reflects that as well. And Zueli and I sat down and he was kind of saying, you know, ah, there's a bit too much here. Like, you know, why don't we strip that away? So we sat with the open project and we were like, oh, let's take out these instruments. Okay, yeah, that's doing something. Boom, boom, we'll take these instruments out. No, 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 that was fine. Let's put that back in. And, you know, picking and choosing and going through it. And eventually we got to <laughs> the place that we started off with, which was those bird sounds, those weird ambiences and those weird noises and almost completely took out the orchestra that I'd done. And I had just done layers and you know uh, basically layers underneath the orchestra in order to fill up the section but you know i i needed zueli's kind of ear to pull away everything and to see that that was where the magic was kind of happening you know and both of us got really excited when you know we started peeling back the layers and we found these little gems of of moments and stuff was happening there you know without having to overstate itself um so that was that was a great it was it was a wonderful moment um you know i haven't had too many of those because you know directors tend to have so many other concerns and so many other worries you know with cameras and editing and bum bum all that other stuff um so it was a lovely moment and you know it taught me a lot about um just about the process you know we rather deliver too much and pull back stuff and deliver too little and not have like enough there or you know that sort of thing also just the just the essence of what music can do with like a couple of tones and a couple of chords and a bit of movement you know and then i would say from there i funny enough that was actually happening around the time when i was moving to ireland um and i guess a lot of that journey and stuff was getting reflected in music as well and when I came here, uh, there were so many new sounds and things I was hearing. And like, I kind of stepped away from the movie for like a week or two to kind of just, you know, move in and stuff. And then when I came back to watching it, I was seeing and hearing new things, which is cool. And I went out into Dublin onto the trains and I was recording new sounds out, and out there and mangling them in different ways. And yeah, I guess I guess that's the only way that you really get over the film and humps and and all these you know bumps in the road and all that sort of thing it's just communicating with your director taking a step back from it sometimes and and not letting it worry you too much you know um i find for myself and if it happens to me then surely it happens to someone else is that you know as soon as you start worrying about something that's when your worst kind of work comes out it you know when you when you sit back relax and take for what it is and just and do what comes from your heart 
I think that's the only time that real kind of good music is made, you know, if, the, if there is such a thing. Oh, that's great. And just one final last question. Um, and I, I'm going to ask all of the guests who come on the, the show the same question. For you, um, I know this question probably changes throughout your life as you as you grow older and as you uh, have new experiences. But for you, who has been the consistent, um, you know, composer that you've admired and whose music has been fairly uh, influential in on your life to date? You know, who who would you say has been has been the one that you would always return to um, time after time? You know. Um. So. <laughs> that's that's probably the toughest question you could ever ask a composer because <laughs> we love everyone and we love all these different um scores and all that sort of thing but james newton howard is probably the one for me um as much as i've moved away from him and i've listened to zimmer and i've listened to john williams or i've listened to trained reznor or a bunch of other composers johnny hansen all that sort of thing um i find i keep coming back to certain pieces of his certain scores um my favorite score probably ever is the science soundtrack um i love the consistency of it and the theme and variations that goes on you know he's got that and it appears in every single track in some manner some way or some form but but it never gets boring you know which is something i love about it but also just his attention to to theme um sometimes his his um his use of synthesis and um electronic effects is so subtle but so effective you know um and i'd say he's probably been the most consistent i keep going back to the science soundtrack i keep going back to the village soundtrack the um oh goodness what's that what's that film called the uh, atlanta soundtrack that he did you know I find that is pretty consistent. Um, yeah, and I'll probably keep going back to it and keep learning more from it every time I do. Yeah. Um, which is probably the best the best part about listening to other composers and other music is it's always so rich and there's always something new to learn. It doesn't matter who you're listening to. Um, yeah. Perfect. And uh, finally, where can people uh, find you online? Is there like uh, Twitter feeds or, or um, websites or whatnot? You know, can you give your details out? So I guess it's as good a time as many, but uh, I've just launched launched my website, which is grantboothmusic.com. Uh, and on there, you will find links to my Instagram, my Facebook feed, uh, SoundCloud. And yeah, on the first page, is a whole bunch of music and there's a biography of me and all that sort of thing. So yeah, grantboothmusic.com. And yeah, that's that. Yeah, Grant, thanks for coming on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. I'm sure we'll have loads to talk about next time. 